Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most amazing things that I've discovered in the New Testament is Paul's strategy concerning missions. And he would go to a certain city, he would go to the synagogue, and him being a person he was in his pedigree of teaching. He would teach and he'd bring in the gospel, especially the resurrection. There'd be many that would listen, some that would not. Those that would listen usually would leave and he would set up a church and then he would teach them and then he would uh, share with them as much as he could. He would leave, but then he'd return, set up elders in every church and then communicate with them through the letters. Now, that was his standard. That was his schedule. It worked out really well. Guess what? Kind of works still today, not necessarily at the synagogue, but go where the people are. This is Bert Harper and Nathan Harper, and welcome to Exploring Missions. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I agree that, you know, we need to be uh, in our our mission efforts, whether they are short-term, long-term, or however we might want to categorize uh, the work that we're doing, um, we we need to be you know follow a biblical standard in that um, Paul's um, typical model, and there were times he he kind of strayed from that because of circumstances, the culture, and the place he was at, his context. Um, but you know you can pretty much count on how he would go about doing things. Jesus also uh, modeled and and taught the apostles specific ways, strategies of of carrying out the mission. And so it's good to be thinking of, of these kind of, <clears throat> I guess, framework of, of, of standards, of, of a plan in our mission efforts, instead of just kind of haphazardly going about, oh, let's go on a trip this year. Where can we go? You know, and, and kind of basing things just off of our, um, our whims, our, our even, you know, just a desire for some experience or something. Yeah, like. I've seen people who own motor coaches. They put a map of the United States, <clears throat> of the 48 continental states, and they put a model there, every state they've been in. Right, yeah. You don't do mission trips that way. Okay, we haven't been to, so let's go here. We haven't been here, let's go here. No, you need to pray about it, seek the Lord, and, and I think there needs to be a little bit of a strategy behind it. And some of those trips need to be repeat retreat, uh, re, you know, trips back to yeah, the yeah. same area. So is there is there a standard for this, Nathan? Is there a way for us to help churches uh, look at their mission, you know, trips that they're going on to have a, a better plan? Yeah, I, th- I think there's uh, there are those standards, um, different organizations, different uh, churches have uh, kind of a set way of uh, evaluating and and looking at uh, that overall plan and those strategies for short-term missions. What we want to talk today about more specifically is short-term mission trips where, you know, a group or an individual or a church uh, might go for a short amount of time, you know, less than a few months, 
maybe a few days or a few weeks, to a location, uh, cross-culturally, generally, and, and do some sort of mission work in that place, and then come back. And um, you might think, that's not that big of a deal. Why do we have to worry about it? Well, believe it or not, there, there has been, and I don't want to overemphasize it, but it's pretty hard to overemphasize, there has been much harm done all around the world Unfortunately, in Jesus' name, by well-meaning and well-intentioned uh, churches and, and mission groups uh, doing short-term mission trips, uh, there have been more, a lot of times, in some cases, more harm than help. Uh, there's been more hurt that occurs um, when some of these groups come into to, to the village or to the town or to the country. And without them knowing that that's happening, um, and so the intent was good. Yeah. But intention doesn't, you know, that's the start of things, but that doesn't mean, you know, the fruit is going to, is going to follow. And so we want to, today we want to look at some healthy practices, uh, some standards that will help churches as they're approaching their, uh, philosophy of, of missions when it comes to short-term mission trips and, uh, to help us, there's actually a group called standards of excellence. And you can actually go to their website, soe.org, and it stands for Standards of Excellence. And they actually mission groups from uh, all over agencies and, and groups from all over the, the world have kind of put these together as a, as a kind of a blueprint to help us uh, look at these standards. Well, when you look at them, do you find out that uh, they're reachable even on the first missionary trip, or is it a progression that you hope to get there, or can you can you mark it out for the very first time? We want you want to do the best you can. No, nothing's going to be perfect, but you can be excellent there, and even to the point of superior. Uh, superior means better than you've been doing it, at least you know. Yeah, but, the the time to start, the time to make changes, is, is now, and you can do that at any point. And stage in the process. Uh, ideally, you want to begin looking at these and starting to put them into practice uh, early. And and there's some things that you might have to go back and correct if you've done things in unhealthy ways and and establish partnerships or relationships that are not really based on good things. Um, as we go through it, you'll kind of understand. But it's um, yeah, it's it's just really important to to do this. There has there have been some, there are missionaries out there. There are uh, missional leaders, uh, missiologists, you can call them, who some have called for an end to all short-term mission trips mm. because of some of the damage that has been done through, you know, unthoughtful groups and, and people. Uh, I don't think that's that necessary to, to go to that extreme. It might be necessary to cut some back. Um, it might, might be necessary to... Ask certain people, wait a little bit before you go, um, you know, because we're not, we're not talking about vacation. You know, we're not talking about uh, amusement and pleasure cruises and things like that. We are talking about uh, making eternal differences in people's life. And it's not about all the photos that you come back with and you put on your Facebook account. Uh, that That matters, you know. And so... Anyway, we we just want to dive into these and, and look at them, and we'll and we'll we discuss want, each one. We want this to help you to to measure your mission involvement, uh, because short term mission trips, from my perspective, 
has done much good. And yet I know some people who went on some mission trips that I'm mindful of, that even I was on, that that person did not necessarily need to be there. And uh, it's pretty hard to correct them after you get there. Yeah. Uh, have oh, you yeah. noticed that? It's, yeah, it is. It is pretty hard. So let's do it on the front end. Do as much good work on the front end, and it helps you while you're there to be more effective. And that's what we want. Yeah, and I will also say that I have participated in short-term mission trips that have, looking back on things, there have been some things missing. Uh, we, we did do things the wrong way instead of the right way. We have done things in unhealthy ways. And prayerfully, I hope that we did not do more harm than, than good. Uh, so let's look into these, uh, the seven standards of excellence in short-term mission. And the first one seems like an obvious place to start, but we lose sight of it a lot of times. The first standard is God-centeredness. God-centeredness. What we're talking about is an excellent short-term mission seeks first God's glory and his kingdom and ex- expressed in different ways. Okay, specifically we're talking about uh, in our purpose, we want to center on God's glory and his ends throughout the entire short-term mission trip process. Now, how many times do we say that with our lips, but our mind, maybe even our heart is not really focused on God's glory. We really need to know what we're talking about when we say this is for God's glory. This trip is for God's glory. A lot of things are done in church life for, quote, unquote, God's glory, and we don't even know what we're talking about. I mean, would you agree with that? I agree. When you think of God's glory, you, I can't help. My mind automatically goes back to, to Moses and the children of Israel and the glory of God, especially the Shekinah glory of God coming in habitation of that place. It is, uh, it is a heaviness uh, that's on you. And uh, God's glory is not always, <clears throat> is not giddy. You yeah, know, right. oh, okay, I'm glad we're here. It's good to be here. It's so good that I'm here. When, when Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he said, it's good that we be here. Do you remember what took place? Let's build three, three, three tabernacles. tabernacles yeah. And all of a sudden, the glory of God overshadowed Moses and Elijah, and it drove Peter and the others to their knees. Yeah. That's the glory of God. It's not something that's just light and, you know, glory, <clears throat> glory light. You know, right. yeah. it's no. And uh, so we need to be put in that, too, that he is observed and seen and magnified. It's hard to be put into words completely, Nathan. It is. It is. Um, In an effort to try to do that, we can maybe like a working definition, we could say that God's glory is his person and character made manifest, you know, on earth in some way. Uh, That can be done probably through your verbal proclamation of the gospel and telling people who Jesus is and telling people about what God is like. Uh, It can be shown and lived out and demonstrated in your life. Um, And then there's ways that, um, you know, a group can can go about doing that. But if that's your focus, and when you're talking about God's glory, what you're really wanting is for God to be made known, for who he is to be made known among the people that you're ministering to. And we, as individuals, as Christians, as groups, 
we can actually compete with that if we're not careful. And we don't want to go away and people say, oh, how great was that group? We want to, for people to say when we go away, oh, how great is God? That's the same way with preaching. You know, I've preached for many, many years. And uh, <clears throat> do I go away wanting people to say, man, Bert Harper really brought the word today? Or do I want to go them, me go away and them go away saying, man, Bert Harper preaches about Jesus Christ. He is a great God. And, and there's, I know that's just a small inkling of what we're talking about, but it is making God the centerpiece of everything we're doing. Yeah, so how does this play out uh, in, in, let's say, participants in a short-term mission trip? If you're going on a short-term mission trip, what we're talking about is for you to have uh, sound biblical doctrine. Because uh, I mean, if you're teaching about God, you need to know correctly who God is, biblically, who, who God has revealed himself to be. Uh, biblical doctrine, persistent prayer. You know, you won't see really any good thing happen without a lot of prayer. And so we're talking about persistent prayer. We're talking about godly lives. Uh, And this is all before you go on your trip. You know, we're not talking about turning a switch on for your trip and all of a sudden you're going to pray and all of a sudden you're going to live correctly, even before your, your trip, even now. And so, you know, methodology, we're, we're talking about having wisdom, uh, biblical and culturally appropriate methods uh, that bear spiritual fruit. That being culturally appropriate is very important. Uh, you might, your trip, here's an example, okay, real life practical example. Your trip might take place in a, in a location where when you greet someone, you might have a culture that in greeting, uh, you know, men do not shake hands with women. You don't even touch women. You might not even look at a woman in the eyes. And so to have this group from America come into this country and this culture and do a lot of in- culturally inappropriate things right from the start in just greeting people, uh, some of that might can be overlooked and you know people give you grace. But too much of it, it gets to be too much. And so even little things like that is what we're talking about. You know, it can be something so small, and this was not a mission trip, but it was a a trip to Israel, and I got to go, and we were staying in Bethlehem, and we were uh, at a restaurant, and I don't drink coffee. You know that. I, 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 now I do tea, but I, I'm not a coffee. But they offered coffee, and I wanted to be open, and so I accepted uh, coffee. Man, it was strong. And it was in a small cup. I praised God for that. Yes. So I, I just drank it down. I, you know, tried to drink it without tasting it. Now, those folks that love coffee, they're mocking me right now. I can, I can feel the jeers coming out, out of the radio, but I, I just don't. And so I got it, and I, hit, I, I, I gave the cup back, and they refilled it. I found out later that you, if you give the cup back that means straight, you want more. You want more. Yep. And here I was with my second cup, <laughs> wanting to be you know, gracious and everything. And uh, I found out if you don't want any more, you shake that cup when you give it back. Now, that is small. Yeah. But think about how important it is with the larger things, with the gospel and, and the kingdom of God. That's right. And, and so that cultural awareness, I... I, I may be wrong, but I believe that may be one of the areas that we don't show excellence on. We need to do a little bit of homework before we go. That's right. It does require homework. You need to, you know, 
you're not going to Disneyland. You're going, you know, to these people's homes and you don't want to show them dishonor and, and, and be a bad guest. So uh, let's move on. The second standard of excellence, we're talking about empowering partnerships. Now, number two and number three go together a good bit, but empowering partnerships. We're talking about an excellent short-term mission establishes healthy, interdependent, not, not codependent, interdependent, ongoing relationships between sending and receiving partners. Okay? So hopefully you got that in your mind. And it's expressed in different ways. It, your primary focus then beca- begins to be on the intended receptors, not on yourself, not on what can I get out of this trip or what can we do that's, you know, that we would like to do or we can do, but on what did the people need and where are they at. Um, and then your plans should benefit all participants. So not just the people, but they also do benefit you yourself. And that usually happens, I have to say. You know, as you go on a mission trip, who's blessed more? Usually the ones that go. Yes, again and again. Yeah. And then it should be based on mutual trust and accountability. So here's here's an example. Um, A church in, let's say, Latin America, and this is a real-life example. I'm not going to give the country's name, but there's there's a church in, in Latin America, and there's a church in North America and they kind of built a partnership, um, and the church in North America sent a team down, a construction team, to help. You know, they thought this, this church down here in Latin America, they need a new church building. They're kind of in, in rough conditions, difficult conditions, and you and I both have seen what that looks like. And it's very humbling to see uh, some of the way our brothers and sisters worship um, in, the, in whatever building, if you can call it a building. Well, it was a similar situation here, and so the church from North America wanted to bless the, the church in Latin America with this new building, so they built this wonderful building, and you know what they even did? They put in air conditioning, which is really unheard of there, and uh, so they did this wonderful thing, and the hosts were gracious. They were so thankful, and the team went back, and about a couple months later, they got a... Uh, an envelope in the mail from this church in Latin America, and they opened it up, and it was the electric bill for the air conditioning that they had put in. Now, that's not mutually beneficial to anybody, is it? No. It's even as wonderful as air conditioning would be. Somebody's got to pay for that. Yeah, and it's usually very expensive there, more so yeah. than they have income coming that's in. That's right. So, I mean, you know, that's just a real-life example of what we mean by a partnership that doesn't empower anybody. But we want to empower the local uh, people there, the church there, to be able to not just survive, but to thrive. And so empowering partnerships. The second uh, standard that we're looking at, the third standard, excuse me, mutual design. Mutual design. What we mean by this is uh, an excellent short-term mission collaboratively plans each specific outreach for the benefit of all participants. Okay, so it's not just the American mission team coming in to town with all these plans. And here's what we're going to do. We've got to do this and this and this. It's actually working together with uh, the host uh, church, the host group, to help you understand what needs to be done in that community. And it doesn't go the other way either. I've, I've seen trips where the team just shows up and they don't know what they're going to do, and it's up to the host to tell them. That's not beneficial 
both ways. It needs yeah, to be that together. Looks, that looks preparation ahead of time. Yes. It, most of this is about, you know, pre-trip planning. So uh, your on-the-field methods then and activities will align to long-term strategies of the partnership. We've talked about this quite a bit. And even though you're having a short-term mission trip, you need to have a long-term relationship and how important that is. And so when you're working together, planning even the little details on the ground together, you're planning those together, it, it goes a long way in building that relationship. And I, it's beneficial for both both people. And you get to see things that you would not see just a one hit and run. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I really believe in that. I've seen, you and I both have seen the blessing of an ongoing uh team going back and going back. Yes. It really is beneficial to everyone. Yes, it is. So the fourth standard of excellence uh, in short-term missions, we're talking about comprehensive administrative administration. It's hard for me to say, much less do. Administration is not a strong gift of mine, but someone on the team needs to kind of run the point for administrative work. And so it's comprehensive administrative. What we're talking about is the short-term mission seeks first God's glory and his kingdom and is expressed through truthfulness in promotion, finances, and reporting results. Now, reporting results? Yeah, that can get you in, goes in some trouble. with there. neon lights, underlined, everything. Uh, honest, honest reporting. It does. Um, you know, the promotion speaks for itself. Finances, uh, you need to handle those, you know, correctly, honestly, with integrity. But same thing with reporting results. And <clears throat> I've been on a mission trip. Unfortunately, I have to just tell you, I was not comfortable with the results that were reported. It wasn't that I was in charge of that, and I didn't manufacture the numbers, but others had. And I just didn't want to tell people what supposedly had gone on. You know, I mean, that it's where, you know, you've been on some trips where you count everybody as a salvation and then double it. You know, you come back and say, we had this many people saved and all this. It sounds good. Not all the time is it too good to be true, but you got to check those. I would say this. I think if anyone out there is exaggerating those, uh, you're doing the damage that you were talking about earlier. Short-term mission trips doing more damage than good. To me, that is damage. Yeah, it is. Uh, Also going along with this, there should be appropriate risk management. You need to kind of know the situation on the ground, what you're getting into. Recently, we've had a lot of short-term mission trips this this summer that we're recording this. Um, some were stuck in Haiti when some yes. uh, local unrest occurred. Some had to delay their trips or not go at all because of that. And, you know, that that's wise. That's smart. Um, you know, don't unnecessarily risk lives of people just so you can have a trip, you know, and even if you lose count, money in the process. That, count the cost. Before a man goes uh, to war, he, he looks to see what all is going. Before a man builds a building, he looks to see what all is needed. So do right. that. Do it well. All right, moving on. we got a couple more to get to, uh, two or three more. The next one, number five, is qualified leadership. And so an excellent short-term mission will screen, train, and develop capable leadership. Leadership for all participants, uh, that's really important. Who's leading the trip is, is very important. Uh, hopefully it's someone who's been, uh, if not to this location before, to a similar location and kind of knows what it, what it takes, has some giftings in that area. 
but it specifically we're looking at a leader's character. You know, are they spiritually mature? Do they demonstrate servant leadership and the emphasis on being a servant? Um, you know, a lot of people like to lead, and they've never really mastered being a servant. And I don't think there's a biblical model for just being a leader without being uh, a servant. I can't find it in the Bible, Nathan. Uh, you want someone that has skills and gifts. They're prepared, competent, organized, and they have some accountability that they, they can answer back to someone. And then you want the values of the person to reflect uh, well on, on the church or the group that they're leading, um, but also Amen. where they can empower and equip other, other leaders to follow them as they follow Christ. We're looking at seven standards for excellence for short-term mission trips. We've got two more to go. Yes, number six, appropriate training. An excellent short-term mission trip prepares and equips all participants for the mutually designed outreach. Okay, so you want biblical training. You want ongoing training even while you're there on the ground. Uh, and that what we're talking about is pre-field, while you're on the field, and even post-field when you get back. Yeah, the, one of the, when you and I were doing these mission trips together from a church. Uh, Honestly, some of the most important things and some things I learned was in this training. Yes. You provided the training and the people would come, and I came because I needed it as well. I was a pastor, but I needed it. And it really equipped me to to go to that place and, and demonstrate that and see what we were to accomplish for God's glory. That's right. And speaking of post-field, uh, number seven, the last standard of excellence we're looking at is thorough follow-through. Thorough follow-through. Excellent short-term mission trips assures debriefing and appropriate follow-through for all participants. Okay, so we're talking about um, debriefing in, like, when you have a day on the field and you're doing work or you're doing some outreach or evangelism, you come back at the end of the day and you discuss it and you debrief and you help each other look and see what's going on. And that can be some of the greatest blessings uh, Doing that at the end of the day on a mission trip is so valuable. I, I found it to be encouraging. It also helped me to correct some things that I had done that day before. And, and, and so every one of these standards for excellence on short-term mission trips. Again, we want folks to go on short-term mission trips, but we want them to go first for the glory of God. And then you put those others, excellence. Yeah. It all equals uh, excellence. So, Every one of us, there's at least one of these on here that we can improve in and do better. If you want to know more, just go to the soe.org website, and you can look through it. And uh, if you're a church or an organization who does quite a bit of short-term mission sending, you might want to even look at joining uh, this uh, this group of Standards of Excellence. Do they give ongoing and not just there? They do. There's they training that you can, you can get through this. And so we all need to... Uh, especially if, if we're, like I said, sending or going on a lot of short-term mission trips. We need to be familiar with these and be able to evaluate ourselves and our churches on, on being healthy senders and healthy goers because we want to make and multiply healthy disciples in churches. Amen. Let your short-term mission trip be for the glory of God and let it have results that are honest with excellence. I think that's a good thought. Thank you, Nathan, for for sharing that with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. 
We pray that God is using you where you are and may God get the glory from it all. 